Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody to Nightlight. I want to first thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro. He and his wife uh, have a website out there and they are native storytellers and they are wonderful illustrations of, an, of a way that another culture preserves their history and their, their cosmology and, and pass it generation to generation so that their history is kept alive within the, within the minds and hearts of generation after generation. Check them out. Uh, they're they're on uh, certainly out there on Google, and just look for Native Storytellers, and you'll find Ken Quiet Hawk at the very top of the list. I have a, tonight's guest is is very exciting for me because it it's a topic that has been very near and dear to my heart. For she sits here and calculates on her fingers, and and it turns out for the last sixty years, as a matter of fact, the the essence of UFOs, the reality of their existence, and and their presence within our reality um, are what actually got me to where I am today. Um, so, and, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. But the name of the book is Making Contact, and the author is Alan Steinfeld. Making Contact presents multiple perspectives on what no longer can be denied that UFOs and their occupants are visiting our, word, our world. This book answers questions that remain in the wake of the recent Pentagon's disclosures as to who and why these beings are here. At this critical juncture in the government's official acknowledgement of the reality of UFO UAPs, scientists, politicians, and mainstream news outlets have no idea what to make of these startling revelations or the outpouring of sightings and contact experiences currently being reported on a global scale. The book stands as the most comprehensive clarification to date on the intent and intelligence behind these phenomena. The variety of viewpoints expressed in the volume provide a solid foundation for the preparation of the greatest challenge to ever face humankind. Alan is an explorer of consciousness. For over 30 years, he's hosted and produced the weekly television series, New Realities in New York City. 
These include interviews with luminaries in the field of health, spirituality, and UFOs, such as Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Ram Das, and every major UFO researcher in the field. With his media appearances, lectures, and conferences, he informs millions about human potential, remote viewing, and the nature of alien contact. For over five years, he has emceed the largest UFO event in the country, Contact in the Desert, and he feels that only when the inner explorations of the soul are combined with the outer adventures of the mind can we achieve a harmonious understanding of our place in the cosmos. Making Contact stands as the essential handbook for embracing the most exalted moment in the history of, of humanity, meeting the cosmic others. It's an amazing book. It is a handbook because it takes you from the very simple, concrete exploration, you know, explanations as to UFOs, and, and he slowly works you into the more and more and more spiritual, esoteric, consciousness, evolutionary philosophies that go into what the UFO experience can open us to on a, on a definitely on a consciousness level. It's an amazing book. It's certainly, uh, I was telling him earlier, one that I am going to give to friends um, as Christmas presents because I think it's it's really important that it be a part of everybody's library if they have any interest at all in the phenomena of UFOs because we're coming to a time when understanding UFOs understanding what they represent, who they represent, and what it represents for our species is very, very important. So welcome to the show, Alan. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk. Thank you, Barbara. And and you summed up the book really perfectly, so I appreciate it. Well, it's, you know, one of the main things with the show is I always read the book before I do the interview. And this is a book that I will read over and over again because, um, first of all, the, the articles in it are written by people whose names I recognize, of course, but they represent different elements, different aspects of the UFO experience. And it's, it's, it's really interesting because depending on what your consciousness is, on what you believe and how you feel about UFOs, you will you will start reading the book and you will say, yeah, of course, yes, of course, huh, maybe, wow, I never thought of that, unbelievable, that's <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> you know, you, you go from, of course, of course, of course, and then it's like, ooh, <laughs> I never looked at it that way. <laughs> so well, you, you know, yeah, yeah, go ahead, yeah, tell me. You, you take us on an amazing adventure, and um, I think it's one that that. I mean, today almost everyone has has seen a UFO or knows somebody who has seen one. Let's put it that way. But it's 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 yeah. sort of like at this point, you you know you know I I saw one in 1966, and um, now I didn't know if there was anybody in it or not, but I did see it. It was it was as solid and real as my car in the garage. You know, it was definitely not swamp gas like J. Allen Hynek tried to say it was, but and he did change his mind about UFOs after a while. But but it's it's sort of like 
you, you know, you, you begin to wonder. So many people have seen them, and, and every now and then somebody says, well, why doesn't one just land on the White House lawn? And um, that wouldn't work. And and it is kind of, um, it, 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 it looks to me as though um, science fiction and, and movies and um, TV series are preparing us for the, the reality of actually having um, aliens walking around that we know are really aliens. I mean, I truly believe there are aliens here anyhow, but, but some of the, the cultures that, that are not as, as humanoid as we are um, haven't, haven't quite done that yet, although probably in Las Vegas they have and nobody noticed. But um, as a matter of fact, that's true. I think, I think there was, there was um, on um, Mary Joyce's, she has a website called... Um, Skyships over cashiers, and apparently in Nevada there was a military base, and apparently the military base on the base had um, UFOs that, that frequented it, and the, the females of the of the species um, did did order clothes from catalogs and, and go into um, Las Vegas, and uh, nobody ever noticed that they were just a little bit different. So it it does happen, but what? What inspired you to write this book? Because it's so brilliant. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your analysis. Because I really appreciate people who understand how this is structured. And one of the reasons, about, before I get to why I wrote this, is that I had my own experience, but I didn't know what happened to me. And I went to conferences. I went to, I got every single book that was out there. And no one could explain the whole truth because I don't think anyone knows the whole truth. I don't think anyone, we all have different pieces of the elephant. You know, that's sort of the, everyone, you know, dumb mm-hmm. blind men and the elephant, everyone thinks it's something else. But no one has put the pieces together to see that we really have an elephant there. That we, no one really understands the complexity, the intricacies, and the um, sort of almost unfathomable ability of this phenomenon. It's real. The government has just admitted it's real. I mean, they've come out on video and people who work for the government and President Obama was saying, well, there's something out there. I can't explain it. So we're at a new stage in this development without any answers. So at least the questions are being asked publicly. So I felt we needed a book, the public, needed a book to understand the aspects of the phenomena from what we know now, you know, from the hardware, the nuts and bolts, to how it's affecting people in their consciousness and what it might portend for the future of humanity. So this was my attempt to take 75 years, almost, since Roswell, since 1947, where the modern UFO era had begun, or might be, of course, um, interactions with beings before that, but we can say something began early July 1947 that got the world into a new awareness. And we're at the threshold now of the government coming forward and saying, yes, sort of that we lied. You know, for a long time they said, no, it was just weather balloons. And now they're saying, well, you know, not about Roswell, but these phenomena in general. There's something we can't explain. So 
And that may, that may or may not be true. Maybe they know perfectly well what these things are and who these beings are. And that might be too much for people to to understand. But I wanted to take the perspective like, what can I introduce the world to that will be uplifting? I think the book is very uplifting and, and, and represents a very positive trend in our relationship to the unknown. What did you think? Oh, absolutely. And I think what what... What got to me is, you know, though I understood that that whatever species or culture or or race or whatever that that was designing and and flying these objects had to be, you know, at at first I was saying, oh, hundreds of years ahead, and then I realized that, no, it was probably thousands of years ahead. And, and, you know, I'm wondering, is it hundreds of thousands of years ahead? It, It easily could be that long because... If you look at at um, pictures in in caves and things like that 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 have been you know um, carbon dated to millions of years ago, there there are um, you know UFOs there. And look at it, Nazca. There's a spaceman there on the side of the hill. I mean, it, it's these these phenomena have been with us for probably millions of years. And the more I think about it, the more it, it says to me that they've even been here before the last mass extinction. So they've probably been here millions of years watching. And, you know, if they, if, you know, like somebody said, well, they're, gonna, they're waiting for us to get ripe so they can eat us. But I don't think that's the case. I think they're waiting for us to attain a level of consciousness so that we'll be able to understand them. Um, I, I agree with you. Yeah. If they wanted to eat us, um, well, you know, that's a very primitive perception. I mean, people project only what they know onto the unknown. And the unknown uh-huh. is much uh-huh. more mysterious and inexplicable than people are aware. They, they say, oh, yeah, that's a UFO. Like, they know what that is. So it's there's a mystery that's sort of invading our world in a good way and we have to wake up to the fact that we're part of the mystery that's you know beyond science there's if these i think these beings are you know probably hundreds of years or thousands like you said or millions of years in advance of us and that also means their spiritual development is much more advanced for the most part i think uh because look at us in the last hundred years. We've made a lot of spiritual advancement, at least in our little community. So these beings, I think, don't want to eat us. They don't want to invade. They don't want to take over. They want us to wake up because yeah. consciousness consciousness is one. We are connected. Me and you are connected, Barbara, everyone listening to this, everyone on the planet is listening, and everyone, every being in um, existence is connected to this vast mm, universal mind. Let's call it that. And so we are a planet out of balance. This is what the mass extinctions, like you said, it's partly climate change that is not controllable and partly man-made climate change. But we um, we need to look at ourselves as connected to each other not separate. And I think this will give us a a, a venue, a forum into meeting the others because they're, they're, we may call them aliens, but they're sentient, they're 
in soul, they're incarnate and and also multidimensional. They're they're us. They're like us. They may be from somewhere else or not, but mm, you know, most people you meet are very nice. I would say. And then there's I, the occasional, it, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you you have that in families, for heaven's sakes. I I I think that maybe a, for me a better term for them would be non-terrestrial. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that, yes. so that, and, and 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 I think you know when you say alien, there's there's a for for many there's a negative connotation to it, um, and 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 of course now with with open borders and everything, we have aliens of another kind coming in. So I think we really have to differentiate from terrestrial and non-terrestrial um, species, and and so. But, it, we're non-terrestrial as well. We might be of the non-terrestrial species, humans, right? Oh, I think we are. I think, you know, oh, I truly believe that we're hybrids of some sort. You know, science has for so long been trying to find a missing link, and the missing link is missing because there is no link. Um, the missing link was, was some some sort of genetic um, manipulation of our DNA, if you will, and, and I do believe that in our DNA, um, once we finally get to understand it totally, you know, they say that I think it's seven, we only use, or we're only conscious of using 7% of our DNA and the rest is junk DNA. And, and I think that junk DNA is where our history, our evolution, our spiritual journey through time, where all that information is stored so that, so that well, when we come to a time, when we can can embrace that awareness, then we're ready to to go into a cosmic brotherhood of some sort. But you know, at this well, point in time, well, it's ignorant to call something junk. Nature does not make junk. Humans make junk, but nature yeah. does. There's purpose for everything in nature, and it shows the total ignorance of a scientific community who call themselves scientists uh, to label something they don't understand as junk. I mean, that is just the height of ignorance. And you see that right now with UFOs. You see scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson saying, oh, well, why doesn't people take more cell phone pictures? Or And then, he, and then someone asked him, I think it was the CNN or one of those interviews, what about what the pilots saw off the Nemitz? He says, well, that might be artifacts on their radar. Instead of listening to the testimony and saying and hearing what these pilots saw these objects with their own eyes, you know, why doesn't he well, listen to that? Because he's not in a position to change his mind to a new reality. Well, and, and the government didn't, you know, they discouraged pilots from from reporting UFOs because. You know, they would question their their judgment, but the reality is, I mean, they've been out there for a long time. I mean, they appear in some of the um, artwork of the Renaissance. They certainly appear in caves. Uh, it's it's been a reality. They've been out there forever, and you know, when you look at things like crop circles and the and the uh, the lights that appear right before a crop circle appears, um, that's interdimensional stuff, in my opinion. But there's so much going on on the planet now that that you can't explain away with, you know, the, the, there's a saying, I don't know who originated it, but logic and reason does not apply. 
and it doesn't apply because the logic and reason we're looking we're working with is almost archaic compared to the things that we're seeing and experiencing. That is really intelligent of you to say thank you. Logic and reason will only get you from A to B, uh, as Einstein said, and your imagination yeah. will get you everywhere else. So we are trying to understand this phenomena with an old way of um, thinking. And John Mack, one of the writers in my book, do you know who John Mack is? You know, yeah. He's a Harvard psychiatrist who who people would come to him and say, please tell me I'm crazy because I'm interacting with these alien beings. John would say, <laughs> I have good news and bad news. You're not crazy. You know, <laughs> you know the good yeah. news is you're not crazy. The bad news is this stuff is happening. You know, it's not bad news, but it's like, you know, there's something else going on. And we try to put everything into a box and say, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. Because we've been educated to think we're at the top of the food chain. And when we meet um, smarter guys on the block, like hatters or scientists who thinks they know everything, including junk DNA, deal with the fact that maybe he doesn't know it. Maybe what the, the technologies of these UFOs are not explainable in the old physics, in Newtonian physics. Do you realize we're using a physics from the 1600s thermodynamics to run our automobiles and machines. You know, you put a force forward, you get a force out. So you, you burn gasoline, that's the energy that moves, that burns, and you move your car forward. Or the steam engines were like that in the 1800s. And so we have not evolved really technologically beyond this Isaac Newton's laws of thermodynamics. And obviously these crafts are not filling up their gas tank to get here. They have a different un- and more evolved understanding of physics. And this is what I think they're calling us to to try to understand. It's like they are demonstrating their physics. They're, they're putting ships down sometimes for people to find and reverse engineer. So um, this is, they're gently, this is my belief, coaxing us into a new way of understanding reality, a new way of creating technology that we don't have to burn fossil fuels. Maybe there's zero-point energy that exists within this one cubic centimeter of space right here, infinite energy. Uh-huh. And I think there is. They're, they're based on quantum physics, look, as it appears, these principles of UFOs. And that's, that's exciting that science is about to change, if they are willing to. Oh, yeah. I I know when I saw the UFO, it landed on my campus, and then when it took off, it swooped over my dorm, and um, we were all inside the dorm because it was after 11 o'clock at night, and it it paused for a moment, and, and, you know, it felt like a long time, but it was probably nanoseconds, and it just sort of hovered there, and then it it was gone, and what amazed me a number of things amazed me. One was there was no sound, there was no air displacement, there was no sonic boom, there was nothing that, 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 you know, could explain how fast it went. And and then the other thing that amazed me was that obviously I was in a large group of of girls and, and there were a lot of them that, you know, just ran screaming 
uh, a lot of them were hiding in, you know, in closets. I don't know why, but they were. Um, a lot of them were, were crying. A lot of them were upset. And two of the girls standing next to me didn't see anything. And it, and all I want, all I could get was, I want a ride. <laughs> you know? And and that's what started. Where was that, and what year was that? It was 1966. About. It it was it was no, it was exactly 1966, and um, it was in Ypsilanti, Michigan. It, it landed on campus. It's one of the authenticated sightings. Um, in a lot of the books, they report it as happening at Michigan, at the University of Michigan, but it happened at the at Eastern Michigan University, and. Um, it was just amazing, and, and a number of years later, it, it became one of the authenticated actual sightings of a of a real UFO. And Wait, um, how long how long did it land for? How long was it there? It was it, it it wasn't there for long. I can we can um I can remember we were listening to the news, and um, you know a news reporter broke in and said that um, a UFO had been sighted on near the campus or on the campus of Eastern Michigan University. And the next thing we heard were police cars and state police cars all rushing past the dorm with their sirens running and everything. Of course, this is how you approach a UFO with sirens running. And um, we could hear the radio on the radio them saying, we're going to turn the stadium lights on to get a better look. They turned the stadium lights on, and as soon as they did, it rose up and it swooped, it swooped away. For the rest of the evening, there were um, there, there were pairs of policemen with dogs patrolling the entire campus, and the next and when we listened to the news at midnight, there was nothing. They had they had halted the air traffic in the three airports that were right around there, but but there was no mention of anything. And of course, wow. we were right around. We were we were around wow. a lot of. Um, Air for, of Army and Air Force bases were in the area. Um, there was no report of anything, and um, you know we we all were kind of you know I just felt like something clicked in me, and I felt like sort of um, in the close encounters of a third kind. You know how the guy keeps making mountains out of mashed potatoes and stuff. That's right. what I felt yeah. like. I felt I felt like there was there was a connection of some sort. Um, something happened inside of me that said there's something so much more you have to find out what it is. And from that moment on, um, not only was I a believer, but no matter how hard they teased me, it was like, this is my story, this really happened, and I don't drink, so you can't say I was drunk. Um, but, and, and it was, but would you say that that incident fundamentally changed your life and your outlook on the world? A hundred percent. Wow. It was like a it was like a door opened up inside of me and it was from from that experience on that I started to um um it was from that experience on that I had a ringing in my ears constantly. Um it was from that moment on that that I I paid attention to the fact that I was a lot more insightful than a lot of the people around me. Um you know, and then later on in life, of course, I, I I worked on meditation and expanding that, and you know, here I am today. But um, it it changed my life a hundred percent. 
You know, I mean, I still went ahead, got married and had a child and got a divorce and got married and got a divorce and got married. Um, So it made my life so different because I was constantly looking for answers. And, you know, that's how Nightlight started. I I wanted to, to talk to a lot of people and find out answers and stretch my consciousness and expand my awareness. And that's what I've done. So maybe... I mean, one of the reasons it happened was to plant a seed for your own evolution as if it's a extension of your own spiritual growth. I mean, on some level, that was a catalyst for your awakening, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's really funny. Um, you know, a, a lot of people who are in the metaphysical field feel they have a mission, but they don't know what it is. And... Um, you know, at one of your one of your authors talk, talked about the element of having a mission and being in the zone, and you know I can relate to both of those totally. So when I saw those phrases, I thought, well, I, you know, I can I can talk to you because I really know what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> so well, um, exactly, you're, you're one of the star seeds here, and maybe I'm not saying that 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 ship at the university just came for you, but you were part of maybe why it landed there so this activation could take place um i, I mean i think there's I w- something I would, to yeah, that. no i would i would agree with you that there was an, an element of activation it felt like i was being called um i haven't met anybody from campus that felt the same way i did but um, but I'm sure that a lot of people around the world have had similar experiences and just know that they have to keep looking for answers. They have to keep digging. They have to keep stretching. They have to keep, you know, expanding themselves so that they have a better understanding of what's out there. Because, um, you know, you you you. I mean, I I do some channeling work too, and and there are other people that do channeling that that bring bring through beautiful spiritual material that is just outrageously fabulous. And and it's sort of like something triggered inside of them that opened a portal in a part of them that allowed them to, to reach to that spot and bring through material that hopefully someday can, can help people. And it is. You're helping people. We're trying to help people. I mean, my UFO contact opened up a whole spiritual world to me, like uh, a multi-dimensional world, because I felt it didn't take place in this level of reality, but it happened. It was this mark on my leg. So how do you explain something that doesn't seem physical, but yet leaves physical traces? So this is the realms we're going to have to explore as a human civilization, and the more, and the sooner the government comes forward, if they will, ever, the more we can lay this all out on the table and start to understand a new level of collective reality that's been denied to us. I mean, we can't rely on the government, but we have to... It would be great if it would happen. What were you going to say? I was going to say that I, I think it has to take place in spite of the government because the government controls yeah. everything. And um, with spiritual enlightenment and, you know, you stop and you think about we're, we're in a, an avatar. Our bodies are avatars for our spirits. 
And our bodies have powers that we haven't even tapped into. And every time somebody discovers a new gift, the first thing the government wants to do is to militarize it. And so I don't think that the government is going to be the way this consciousness, this evolution of consciousness happens. I think it's going to be a grassroots type of movement that eventually will have to be recognized by the government but not controlled by it. Right. I do think it's like the people's movements of the 1960s, women's liberation. That wasn't, that had to be, we had to have marches and black liberation, all these liberations Uh that became part of people standing up and saying, this is what I want for me, freedom, and this is what the whole UFO field needs to stand up and say, this is what I want. Actually, I'm planning a rally in Washington next year where people can come together and give speeches, and maybe you'll be part of that, you know? So we'll see how it goes. It's in the planning stage. Look look what the government has done with remote viewing. I mean, they've militarized it. They've they've used it to spy on people and things. Right, but but still, there's a good upside to the fact that, not the militarization, but people are now learning remote viewing. Actually, I teach remote viewing. And people are realizing... They have this innate talent to to bend their mind to anywhere they want to in the local universe or any any place beyond time and space. So this is this is yes, the military will um, weaponize anything because they're like um, they're like if the if you're only if you're a hammer, the world looks like a nail. If they're here to defend, <laughs> that's all they can think of doing, and so. That's like, you know, survival level. That's first chakra, right? Uh-huh. And it's like the sequence of the book. You know, I start off with Nick Pope, who defends the government's secrecy, and that's like, you know, survival, defense, all that. And then we are using these gifts of spirit to to awaken our true humanity, our compassion, our love, our empathy, our our ability to tune into other people's, their thoughts. And so we can't, you know, even though a part of our population is militarizing, it doesn't mean we want to deny it, right? Oh, yeah, you can't. I mean, right. you know, in order for, in, we we have a, um, a brotherhood of man, you know, and, and it, it means that, that, that we're all related, even... Even what we look upon as nasty is a part of us. And as, a, as if you if you take all the aspects of all the people and put it all into you know one big bowl, then the planet becomes a singular personality. And you just hope that the good outweighs the bad. And I think well, and I that think it does. You know, well, and you know um, that that I think is what what extraterrestrials are waiting for, are looking for, are hoping for is that that we can tip the scales in the right direction. I think that, that uh, you know, I, I, I truly believe that our genetics have been manipulated so that we are hybrids uh, at this particular point in time. And, and it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch humanity in, in all of the, the, the um, convulsions it's going through at this particular point in time. 
And, and it's, it's, what do you think it's, we do? What can we do to help make it easier? Well, I, I think that the fact that no longer are people like you or I burned at the stake is a real good, you know, step in the right direction. That's um, a good thing. I, yes. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, um, I taught school for 25 years. I taught, uh, um, I taught special education, and I really believe that that meditation and consciousness and and not necessarily, you know, don't call it spirituality because you can't put that in the school system, but certainly consciousness and, and meditation and some of the skills that are needed to to expand consciousness should be part of our education. Um, Absolutely, I, I, yes. That's so stuck in, you know, this um, this religious dogmatism that to teach a skill that have to do with higher aspects of the human being, like steps on the toes of the fundamentalists, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so... And, uh, you know, when you when you look at it, um, it, it to my mind, uh, spirituality is, is crucial in in our growing and expanding consciousness, our finding portals within ourselves, within the planet. Without without intuition, without insight, without the spiritual aspect, um, we we are only half there. I mean, you you have to have those aspects to be a total person, to be a total um, to be a total spirit, to get the total experience of of being on the planet and experiencing what what's here to experience. If all you have is the science. Then, then you've cut yourself off from the magic of the universe. Exactly, the magic. That's what the UFOs. This is what Jung said. The UFOs, this mystery that's appearing to us, brings back the magic that is that the human being has lost in this technological world. And so, did you ever see two thousand one Space Odyssey? Oh. Millions of times, yes. <laughs> right, so you know this big embryo at the end of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the birth of a new humanity, but how did that arrive by overcoming the technology, the ar- the AI, the artificial intelligence of the computer how, right? Mm-hmm. That was like consuming and wanting to take over. I think this is the, we have to, stop the technological uh, takeover of our minds in order to be birthed anew. We have so much potential we not even we haven't even discovered yet. Oh yeah. So. And you know, when when people are are kept encapsulated in in a strict educational system where none of this other material you know Children, babies, young children are wide open as far as spirituality goes. I mean, they they are able to see other dimensions. They are able to speak to the other side. They are able to, you know, they just have all of these capabilities. And parents and teachers, uh, unfortunately, in order to make them compliant with what's expected of them within reality, uh, shut all those doors. 
and tell them don't go there. That's that's ridiculous. That's make believe. You know, you're out of. You know, you're. You know, you're pretending. You know, they don't. They don't encourage that aspect, that side of a child. And and right. um, you know, that's, that's it's. What? It's, it's, right, no. Go ahead. What were you going to say? That's not what. No, it, it's so important that that children. The, when children are born, when they're very young, between the ages of probably one and five, um, they exhibit aspects of themselves that, that, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, that aspects of themselves that they have mastered or that they have done well in other lifetimes, and they bring it to this particular incarnation. And if they're allowed to develop those aspects within themselves, if those are encouraged, whether it's art or music or any number of different modalities, if they're encouraged to to follow through with those talents that they're exhibiting, they will have a richer, fuller life. But but usually parents yeah. you know, are so are so um intent on making them be able to get a life and and get a college degree and get a job and get married and have children and die happy. But that's not what life is about. Thank and you, thank you, thank you. Well, that's why I'm saying the importance, even though the government is is not going to um, change people's minds in a sense, but acknowledgement, official acknowledgement, gives more room to the phenomena uh, being embraced as a reality. You know what I mean? Yeah, but 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 government um, as a whole wants to control the population, so it's not to their advantage to have people out there who are dreamers. Who I mean, but look at Nikola Tesla. Look at I don't know Ford. Look at Edison. Look at the Wright brothers. I mean, all of those were dreamers. They 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 paid attention to their dreams. Lots of major major inventions came through dreams, inspired by dreams. And you know, it, it, that's a part of our consciousness that speaks to us that that we need to pay attention to. And nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about you know, you know, what was that dream about? Let's see what it means. What does it mean to you? You know, how does this affect you? What do you think? And you know, it it just to me is so sad because I, I'm looking at the educational systems today. And they are taking away creativity and inspirationally, um, in, you know, inspired things. They're 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 trying to keep everybody in a very thin, in, in a very small box, so to speak. You know, God forbid you go outside the box. And frankly, outside the box is where all the fun is. Absolutely, that's why I wrote this book to take people outside the box of awareness, a box of their predictability. This is what the last two years were all about. It was about getting out of what we called normal and embracing the unknown. So I think all this is happening for a reason. The COVID, the climate disaster, the UFOs, it's all pushing us to be something other than what we've been because the path that we were on was one of destruction and the oh, path yeah. that we can take is one of hope and possibility 
that's, well, that's what why, we're moving into. Yeah. That, that's why I've told a lot of people, while, while I know that, that COVID has, you know, taken a tremendous toll on our population, at the same time it has given everyone a chance. It's, it's like we, the whole world was given a timeout. And it's like, take this time. Take a look at yourself. See where you're going. See if you're not happy in what you're doing, what would make you happy and go in that direction. It's, it's been a, you know, I, I, I'm not denying people passed away because they did, and that was horrible. But, but for the population as a whole, it gave you a chance to really examine where you are, who you are, and what you are. And do you want to be something different? Do you want to go in another direction? If you lost your job, frankly, that's great because now you can create something that is better for you and that is going to be more more um, supportive of you. And, and honestly, I truly believe if people are happy, they can't help but make enough money to support themselves. It just happens. Yes, I really I really appreciate your really beautiful, uplifting attitude. I didn't really know much about you, but I like everything you're saying because you are a real open-minded, free spirit and adventurer and sees the possibility in all things. So thank you for putting out the good news that that there's more to the human being than just getting married and going to work, having children. That's That's, that's not what we're here for. Those are things that happen to us. What we're here for is the awakening of the divine consciousness, don't you think? Absolutely. I I do. And, you know, um, you do mention telepathy in in a lot of places in the book, which I'm very, very um, fascinated by and fascinated with because, you know, our ability to be telepathic um, is something that, Everybody has the ability to do. Yet nobody on this planet, we all have, we all come in with the same skills and skill sets. You know, it's it's sort of like I often describe the human body as a car because it's an avatar and our spirit rides in it, so it's a car. And it's it's got all the bells and whistles. It's got every extra you could cram into it. But they didn't give us the owner's manual. So it's up to us to figure out, you know, which button to push. You know, usually with a car, I find the the uh, headlights and the windshield wipers, and then I'm very happy, and I don't really need to find the other buttons and what they mean. But in my human body, the the ability to be telepathic or the ability to for be be, jeez, I don't want to say profit, but but to be able to foretell the probability of the outcome of situations. It's, it's, it's something that's there for all of us. Um, for a long time, I did, you know, did reading. No, go what? ahead. Sorry. You, a long time. What, no. no, what were you going to say? For a long oh, time, no. I, used, I used to do readings and stuff like that, and I stopped that because I was creating a very codependent following, and that's not my purpose. My purpose was to help people find that those talents within themselves, and I, I was doing a bad job of that. So, So I took the interviewing, which is a lot easier. <laughs> but I just want to say, I think we were given an owner's manual for, you know, the embodiment. We just have ignored it, you know, with the the instinctual drives, the, the feelings, the intuitions. I mean, we, like you said, we all have telepathy. I mentioned 
telepathy in 10 out of the 11 essays because uh-huh. it seems to be a more universal language. And so there is an owner's manual, but we are not taught how to read it and we're not taught to just drop into the silence and the peace that passes all understanding in order to hear the instructions that will lead to a really peaceful, beautiful life experience here. So this mystery that's upon us is a form of UFOs, aliens, whatever you want to call them. It's reminding us that there's more. We haven't figured it all out. And maybe the mystery is not just out there, but we're part of the mystery. And that I, I, we yeah. have a chance, right? We have a chance well, to... Well, yeah. Be, yeah. Somebody yeah. said a long time ago, I think probably a lot of people have said it, so you know, I, I certainly can't take credit for it. But, but basically, it's we are who we have been waiting for. And yeah. it's, it's a matter of stepping into that genre and and being able to... So many people want someone to tell them what's going to happen or what to do or how to do it. You know, they want they want someone to give them directions and, and, and if, if, if even beyond that, to do stuff for them. And the reality is we've got all of that inside of us. And all we need to do is take the time and the quiet to, to go in and be open to, you know, that information that our higher consciousness will give us. It's It's... You know, it's there. It's that quite often people don't trust it. You right. Know, so we, like, need to, we need to relearn who we are, right? I mean, isn't that what, you know, the ancient mystery schools were about? Uh, it's what I, I think it sounds like what your life has been about, dropping in and trusting the oh, yeah. innate wisdom that's led you, Right. Even though you have oh, those yeah. marriages and everything, <laughs> those marriages. No, but I'm curious. Were they? What did you see them as lessons, or you see them as a program that you thought you had to do? Or I, 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 I mean, I don't know what your I, experience I, I was. I think that, that in retrospect, um, each of them taught me something, and. Um, and, and and like I say to most people, you know, I, I learned a wonderful, powerful lesson from each one of them. I'm not writing thank you notes to anybody, but I did come away from each of them with with um, with some amazing magic and some greater wisdom. So that it was it was, I mean, heck, they made me who I am today. So I have to be grateful, but I'm not writing thank you notes. You're not writing thank you notes. What does that mean? That you're, or you're I'm not, not grateful. I'm not going to go thanking. I'm I'm not going to write them a thank you note and say thank you for making me the person I am. What um, you don't want? I'm I'm just curious because it's been it's been it's been difficult, right? I mean, well, I mean, two two of them are dead, so that would be really hard. Um, and right. and the third one. Um, not really. I think that, that uh, you know, I, I, I do believe that every time somebody experiences a lesson, it's a two-way deal, that, that both people involved in, in getting the lesson, both people are getting something important and positive for their own development. 
Now, whether they but, acknowledge it or not. But those things happen to us to be to learn, like you said, be grateful. But do you think on some level we set it up for that reason, like we are in control of that all? I, I, I believe mm. that before we incarnate, that we set up a program of some sort that that we need we're working on different aspects of our spiritual development and so in a way we sort of request that situations be presented to us so that we can experience them and grow from them so that yeah, so that, yeah i i do think that that we we sort of put in a request for experiences we can't be specific so that sometimes the lesson is is uncomfortable and sometimes you know we struggle with it, but but the reality is, you know, we we put in for it. This is our this is what we asked for in our life, and this is what we're experiencing. And and quite often, when something falls through or you know, something that I have planned doesn't work, I realize that that you know when I when I have enough distance from it, that I probably decided I was going to drive and not wait for the universe to provide me with what I needed. And I usually mm-hmm. crash and burn. And, you know, when I do, I hear laughter and it's like, all right, so I screwed up. I thought I knew where you wanted me to go and I, I went there in spite of you. And so that was the lesson. And, you know, once you have a good laugh and dust yourself off and start all over again. So it's um, yeah. life is an adventure. Yeah. It is. It's not, And it's not predictable. And I think the opportunity UFOs give us is to really step out of the box of the known, of what we thought reality was, and welcome something completely different, as Monty Python used to say, right? Now for something completely different. And so this gets us out of this routine, this normalcy, this, like we said, this, this normal life of marriage and children and businesses and and the mystery gets closer to to the real human being like like the way art and creativity does that's my next book is about art and creativity so i think somehow it's all related to this this bigger mystery that is unfolding for us as human beings this is what you know the world is not explainable in the way our media and education and religions and politicians and our parents have told us it is. It is something other. It is something undefinable and unfathomable and inexplicable and all those words because the mystery is everywhere and we're we're part of that mystery. And yes, we can understand science enough to build cars and airplanes and computers, but the you know the essence of incarnation and and the reasons and all that, yeah, we can say it's for lessons, but there's an unknown um infinite aspect to us, and that if we could remember that, then I think our whole world can change oh absolutely and and certainly. Intuition and inspiration and uh, expressions in art, especially, um, are are a way that our spirit can speak to our physicality and give us messages and, and share um, 
share information with us. A um, long time ago, I started to do personal mandalas for people, and then um, I created a deck of cards called the Cosmic Deck of Initiation that is used for spiritual insight to your their oracle cards. They're not necessarily meant to do to do a, a reading or, or something like that with, but you can. And I found that what was fascinating when I was doing that artwork, it was the most profound experience, I think, in my life so far, because I'm not done. But I found that I would, would get up and I would go in and I would teach and I would get home at about 4 o'clock and I would paint from 4 o'clock to 4 a.m. I'd sleep a couple of hours, get up and do it all over again. And I was in such a zone when I was doing those cards that I never missed a day of school. I never missed a Little League game or a concert or or anything. And I was I was just so inspired to do those cards that, that, you know, nothing would get in my way. And from the first drawing to the um, signing with the publisher, um, I had um, – uh, it was it was just nine months, and it was almost like it's weird. They were like a baby, and and so I've experienced that kind of being in the zone with artwork that you're talking about, and um, it's magical. It's absolutely magical. Well, I think you know we're here to remind people of. That's magical, but we know every night we dream these creative adventures, and and maybe they're real, and that's magical. I mean, I'm always looking at my dreams, and and when I lived with the Aborigines in Australia, they took me into their tribe for like a few weeks. They taught me about dream time, and when you know when you're in dream time, when you watch yourself fall asleep, and then the images that come into your mind are not what you normally think, and you can sort of track them. And there's the creative adventure of the unknown flowing through your own brain, which is, uh-huh. I think, exciting. So maybe we should take a little break. And okay, you go ahead and take okay? a break, get water or something. I'll sit yeah. in here and chat with everybody, and, you know, happily I'm blessed with the gift of gab. So uh, <laughs> I'll just chat with myself, and you go... Walk around the block, and I'll talk to you when you get back. Okay, so I'll, I'll be. I won't be gone too long. Okay, thanks. Okay, okay. I think that that everybody could benefit from reading this book because, in a way, it helps to open you up to the potential you have within you. And we all have such amazing potential that. Sometimes we don't trust that it's there, but it always is there. I think one of the magical things about humanity is that everybody has gifts and talents. And it's a matter of huffing and puffing here. I had to go rescue a cat from a tree, literally. Um, But I think the potential that we carry within us is so great that we don't realize that most people... Um, tend to belittle themselves, tend to think I can't do something or um, I'm not capable of this or 
I'm too old to do this. Uh, for the most part, you can do anything. I mean, within reason. <laughs> like Miss Teenage America is definitely out of my venue, at least for this lifetime. But, but being able to tackle any problem that comes your way in a creative way, it can be fun. I mean, not having enough money to do something can be a very sad thing unless you make it a challenge to your creativity. And once you challenge your creativity, you can accomplish anything. During this pandemic, one lady who um, delivered groceries to me said that she needed to have something done to her garage and she didn't have the money for it and she looked around and here she could deliver groceries to other people and she made enough money to do something that she'd wanted to do for months and years and never really thought about doing something extra to make the money. Again, the pandemic has given us such a gift to expand ourselves, to reach beyond our the limitations that other people have put on us and to stretch us into the potential that we carry within. One of the things that we've been talking about is dreams, and having a dream journal is probably one of the best things that anybody can do. Um, and, and it's not an easy thing to keep a dream journal because when you wake up, there are other things on your mind other than writing down your dreams. But if you do like I do and keep your dream journal in the bathroom, you can, you can take care of more than one thing at a time. Um, the other thing to recognize in your life is this, are, are the synchronicities that happen, and they happen to you, to all of us, every day. Uh, synchronicities are one of the ways that our higher consciousness talks to us and gives us messages in spite of ourselves. And so when you find yourself finding a parking place whenever you need one, or if you find that you are thinking about somebody and they call that on the phone, that those kind of things are your higher consciousness saying to you, you have a talent, you have a gift, you can use it if you keep track of these synchronicities, if you keep track of those magical things that happen in your life, the more you write them down, and, and that's the key, the more you write them down, you cement them into your reality. And by, the, by cementing them in your reality, you send a message to your higher consciousness that I gotcha. And the more your higher consciousness sees that you are paying attention and you're taking note of the things that are happening to you, the, the more frequently these synchronicities come to you and the more intense they become. I am, I am a firm believer in synchronicity. Um, I have, I have uh, acknowledged synchronicity uh, probably the last two decades for sure, more than ever before in my life. I always find that synchronicities give me a message from, the, from my higher consciousness that I'm in the right place at the right time in the right way. And the best example I have of this is that when I, I used to live in Connecticut and I had dinner with my son um, uh, one evening and he had flown in to do something in Boston and um, we were having dinner, and I said to him, I think it's time that I sold the house and moved. And he said, okay, where do you want to move? And I said, Nashville. And he said, really? And I said, yes, really. And he, he, he thought I was joking, and he said, well, 
get get a real estate broker and see what you can do. And the next day I got a broker and I listed the house. It took a year and a half for me to actually sell the house. And I kept looking for a place to move to in Nashville. And I looked at condos and townhouses and all sorts of things. And for a year and a half I could find nothing that really fit me. And at after a year and a half I got a little discouraged and it was sort of like, I know that I'm supposed to move. I, I, I believe it because it came out of my mouth and I have to act on it because it was one of those things that I just know I have to do. And so uh, I got an offer on the house and, that, you know, and we went back and forth and I sold the house. And the day that the, the contracts were signed and everything, um, the condo that I'm living in now came up for sale and I called my son who lives in Nashville. I said to him, you know, I think that's it. Go look at it. And he went and looked at it. He said, it's very nice. Do you want to fly out and see it? And I said, nope, buy it. And he said, don't you want to check it out first? And I said, nope, that's it. Buy it. And so he did. And the very first time I actually walked into it was the day that I moved in. And it felt like home. It felt so perfect it was unbelievable and in my backyard is uh, a graveyard that is um, 200 years old which I thought was fabulous and I was very excited by and um, I, I asked them around you know who's who's the cemetery for and it was a family that settled the area that I'm in and I could read one tombstone and the tombstone that I read um, was uh, his name was Thomas F. Smiley, and a friend of mine and I did some genealogy work on him just just for just out of curiosity. And it turns that turns out that he has had a sister named Hattie, and Hattie was na- was married to a man named Aaron DeLong, who is an ancestor of mine. So that so that we had. You know, my my family is in my backyard. Even though I am basically a northerner, I apparently have a southern southern branch. And it was sort of like the universe saying to me, okay, you definitely belong where you are. So, you know, set up your tent and get to work. So that's what I've done. And Nightlight, since I moved down here, has expanded into, and you know, besides it just being one show, um, Mark Eddy, of course, is, is a host as well. And um, since I moved down here, we've added three, four other people, so that night, the Nightlight Radio Show has now become a night, Nightlight Network. And that means that um, there's expansion going on here, in spite of everything that's going on in the world. And so I think that, that all of us need to take a look at what's good and positive out of this whole situation. Where have we grown? How are we stretching ourselves? How are we getting into other aspects of our own development? And and it, it, it expands us. It, it, it allows us to become more of a person than we were before all of this happened because before all of this happened, we were all sort of on a track and moving along and you know everything was kind of the same and and suddenly all of our lives shifted and for probably 
85 or 90 percent of all of us, our lives have become better if we if we really pay attention to what's going on. There is a better security within ourselves. There's a better understanding of ourselves. There's a better um, understanding of of who we are as people and and where we want to stretch ourselves and how far we want to take our lives. So it's it's been an exciting adventure, and I think that all of us have have imp- have certainly grown from this experience. I think we've become more aware of our surroundings and are more secure within ourselves, and I think we know ourselves better than we did before our routine got broken, and our routine had to be broken because it wasn't taking us anywhere. So now we have the opportunity to stretch ourselves into other areas and other realms. Um, there are books out there. There are videos out there. There are all sorts of ways of of researching areas that are of interest to you and and expanding yourself. You don't have to, you know, the pandemic is restricting us so that we are more and more on our own within our own venues and in our own lives. But it doesn't mean that we can't reach outside of those um, those structures that we we are restricted to with our consciousness. Uh, the element of meditation, the element of stretching ourselves telepathy-wise, um, and and you can make it a game. You can stretch, you know, and send messages to people and relatives who are out of town. You can you can do all sorts of wonderful things given the time that we now currently have. Is Alan back yet? Guess not. Uh, yes, um, I'm just got back. Yeah. Yes. Oh, hello, okay. <laughs> Bob. Thank you. Thank you for you know, keeping the ball up in the air, floating. So, you know, what I, I'm also interested in is in how creativity works with this new phenomena. Like, what does this inspire us to do? How will it change our world as we meet these other beings on a common platform? How will it expand the arts? And how will it expand our capacity as human beings? It's not so much about aliens. It's more about us. What do we need to stretch into to reveal more of ourselves? What capacity do these beings bring out in us? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and you know, I think that that the more cultured a society becomes, the more the more enlightened they are as far as, as creativity and and spirituality, uh, the the more the greater the capacity they have to to accept things that are not of the norm. And I think that you know prim- primitive cultures almost require a very tight rein on, on everybody within them. You know, they there's a tight rein on the unit. But but the well, more that's that's yeah. the fundamental yeah right and, and the and more you, you get into that 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 expansion of consciousness the more aware you are of the magic that is in any creative process whether it's music i i i you know music and and artwork are are two two examples of it but creativity can be in so many different ways and my 
my philosophy, and and again, it's my philosophy. So you know, I, I I wish I could attribute it to somebody like Freud or you know whatever, but 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 I can't. But my philosophy is that creativity is crucial to the development of the human spirit. And well, if, William if, if you're that. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yes, well, what if, if if your life has come to a standstill if you feel that you're not moving and that, that nothing is happening, in, in my opinion, it means that you are not doing anything creative in your life to fuel the movement of yourself through this reality. Right. So that all you need to do is find a creative process that you enjoy and involve yourself in that creative process and you will find life starts to move ahead for you. Yes, our destiny, according to William Blake, is to be creative. That's why we came in here. And what does creativity do for us is help us feel more, helps us Uh express. I think everyone's creative. You know, everyone gets up in the morning and says, what am I going to wear? Well, those pants match my shirt and shoes. How do I look? So we have all these minor inspirations of creativity. But when we decide to do a project like this book, we're looking for a way to tap into something beyond ourselves. That's the excitement. Uh-huh. And that's um, when you can tap into something beyond ourselves, then it actually follows through to other people receiving that artwork. Look at Van Gogh's paintings, right? Oh, yeah. Starry Night. He went beyond himself in order to deliver that unknown to people, to viewers of this, to readers of this book, to, you know, that that's what the art is calling us to do, step beyond the norm into the transcendent. And, uh-huh. and that's why I think UFOs are going to inspire a renaissance of human creativity as we embrace this other. It's a launching point for a new, a new reality. A new world. And one other aspect is I think they are much more abstract in their communication than we are. They, they, they communicate in symbols and concepts and we need to, we have this need to put everything into categories, but that's not really how the bigger function of the greater mind works. It works in a much more uh, apprehensive as opposed to comprehensive way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think that uh so you, you know if you, you know you can look at you can look at artwork and you can tell almost immediately if the person is a technician or an artist because there are lots of people that do artwork that technically have done something you know that is graphically pleasing but they haven't put a part of their spirit into it. And when 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 an artist has flowed into the, the, the expression that they are putting down on paper, you feel the resonance. You can feel it. It's the same way with music. You're right. You know, you, You're right. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Real communication is through the resonance of the transcendent spirit that's creating uh-huh. the art, right? Yeah. There's, you said you're feeling the yeah, there's a there's a great movie out there. It's a it's a Mexican movie, I believe, with um, 
subtitles. It's called um, like Water for Chocolate, and and basically yeah. it's about how when when you're cooking, if you're putting your own a part of yourself into the cooking, whoever eats that is going to feel it. They're going to feel that there is something of your spirit, your soul in there. Um, uh, two movies that 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 absolutely to me say that there there's there's the spirit of some uh, of whoever created them in it one is avatar and the other is interstellar um both of them have a feeling that there is a spiritual message here and 2001 a space odyssey as well um but you you well, know I didn't get you know interstellar. interstellar what is that about again interstellar interstellar is about um the the earth um is drying up, and they're gonna they're they're sending spaceships out to um, hopefully find places to colonize. And it's a great movie. You should watch it. It's a great movie. I think I, I may have seen it, but um, yeah, films stimulate this imagination and makes us understand what's possible. Just to get back to the UFO situation, uh-huh. I, I the problem. I, we have is that as this UFO phenomenon gets revealed as reality, there's a part of me that thinks this is just another science fiction movie. So <laughs> I'm trying to find a way, right, of separating the reality to the projection of reality. So I haven't found a way to quite do that, but this is not science fiction. This is bigger this is about exploring a bigger world of our consciousness and so well, yeah and, and, but you know yeah. actually maybe maybe they are are just meant to be a trigger you know is you know the brain is the our brains are capable of so much stuff they're they're capable of sending holographic pic- holographic pictures that appear to be realistic and maybe our consciousness is sending these holographic projections so that we expand our consciousness to be able to understand we are part of a greater brotherhood than we think. Yes, exactly. I think um I think something's calling us to a new future, a new possibility. We're being beckoned to and we have to rise to the occasion of this greater world that is waiting for us. It's waiting for us to embrace it. And so everything that we need to understand, I think, is being revealed to us as uh, as a new kind of way into the unknown. This is where our future lies with the unknown, with possibilities, with hope. What, yeah, what but you, you, you spoke... You sp- Spoke uh, well. At least your book spoke <laughs> on on yeah. on exploring internally in order to become yeah. part of the external. And yeah, and so yeah. many, so many, you know, scientists especially, you know, are trying to get us out there. But until we've gone in there, we aren't worthy of going out there. Exactly. I think, thank you for reminding me about that. I mean, um, there's a deep aspect to the human being, like 
that we have yet to explore. And when we do explore it, we will, the further we go in is the further we go out. I've always Uh thought there was that relationship. And so there's an infinite depth within us, just like there's an infinite space outside of us, but there's a relationship between those two infinities. And the mind is that membrane between the inner and the outer, between the aspects of the internal subjective realities and the external objective realities. And somehow mm, we're here to wake up to a bigger picture of that. We're part of all of creation. So when we realize that, the aliens won't be shocking. They'll just be another version of ourselves. That's what I really think these... Yes. Yes. Yeah, and That's and and, and and it's sort of like um, fascinating that, that theoretically, I mean, I I know that there are some that that say that they have worked with aliens, uh, you know, the Nordics and the reptilians and the draconians and all of those. But but my yeah. feeling is there's still those those entities are on the same journey we're on. I mean, they have Another spiral of that journey. They they may have gotten over, like, the whole idea of marriage and all that. They're not doing those things. Like Bashar uh-huh. says, everyone in his society is ma- married to everyone else. But they have the other lessons to learn, the lessons we have yet to explore. But it's a journey, yes. It's a never-ending journey. So this is what I think we're graduating into I mean, how many of these dramas and all those things are we going to have to deal with um, until we own that level of human experience? And then the adventure just gets bigger. It's oh, yeah. a journey of a to, you see, what we don't know is what we have yet to meet. And so these ETs take us into the level where we don't have it all together. Things fall apart. Societies collapse. Our belief systems are transformed. And this is the process we're in now. It's like, you know, a little cliche, but the caterpillar and the butterfly, right? The caterpillar's body completely melts in order for this amazing, new, beautiful being to be born. How is that even possible? You know? But I think that's our potential, we are going to awaken into something we don't recognize at this moment. Right? The yeah, and is not it's, the... yeah, it's very much like yeah. being in the chrysalis and being conscious of the fact that we're in a chrysalis and not knowing how to break out of it yet. So that, so that, but, uh, but we can't break out of it. It is a natural process. Uh-huh. It's like it, 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 it unfolds, you know, it unfolds into, in, into the relaxing into the self, the infinite self that allows the processes to move through them. You know, it's not about the mind, right? It's about this other part of ourselves that's not thinking, it's being. Well, it does make one wonder if perhaps inside of all of us there's been... You know how race cars often have regulators on them so that they can only go so fast? 
um, it, it, it feels to me sometimes like we have a regulator on our consciousness that will only open us to another level of understanding until we've achieved, until we've completed whatever level we're on, and 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 it gets frustrating sometimes because it feels like you're ready for the next level and yet you can't quite get there. You know where the portal is, you know where the door is, and you can't quite open it. And and I think a lot of people are are getting to that point, you know, as we speak that that it's it's there's a level of consciousness that that everyone is feeling is there yet can't quite grasp it yet. And I think perhaps the UFOs are those triggers that sort of, you know, there's a clicking or something inside of us that 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 when we understand who they are, what they are, how they are, that we are opening ourselves to another level of consciousness that allows us to stretch ourselves even further spiritually speaking. Right, but it's a tug of war because what's also preventing us from reaching that level is the consciousness of everyone around us because Consciousness is permeable. It it, uh-huh. it gets attached and influenced by those in our field. You know, so field dynamics are very important to understand in understand in looking at consciousness. So, who do we surround ourselves with? Are is key to the evolution that our consciousness is making. So, yes, the ETs are pulling us to a greater realm. But if we turn on the news. And look at the wars and the violence and all that kind of social consciousness of the world. We're being pulled in that direction. So we, at some point, have to make a choice: what we identify with and who we surround ourselves with, and the people that are in our field of awareness. And sometimes you have to walk away from people who are just, you know, not where you want to be. And some of them may even. Some of them may even claim to be spiritual, but it's how you feel. It's not what people say. It's how you feel. Like everyone thinks they're spiritual until, until you know, it's energy. This is, this is the key, I think, to that owner's manual you talked about earlier, understanding what energy is. We are energy in form, in this physical uh-huh. form, but who we are is the energy, I mean, I'm agreeing with you on everything, but I'm just looking with you at the way we see ourselves through this sort of difficult time, uh, but there's great hope and possibility and and freedom just on the other side, and I know that's possible. Oh, yeah. I know we're... And I think, too, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not so much... I know lots of people who say they are spiritual, and yet their lives do not reflect that. So, exactly. So I think, I, think, I think people have to understand it's not what you say, it's how you live your life that really, that really denotes who you are and where you are within your life passage. And, and right. um, it's, 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 you know, you can, you can say I'm, I'm a light worker or I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that, but... But if if your behavior, if the way you address life, if the way you approach life, if the way you treat other people is not in accord with that, then then there's something wrong someplace and it's it's usually with 
how you're, you know, I hate to be defined. I don't want anybody to define me as anything, you know, just, you know, I am a, I am a result of where I am inside and, and how I treat people around me and how I behave within my life. That's who I am. And, and there's no way to put a label on it. Right. But, but, I mean, I think people who claim they're spiritual are the ones I actually, you know, are suspicious of. Because um, <laughs> if you have to if you have to tell someone you're spiritual, then then there's something off there, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm very spiritual. It's like, okay, prove it. You know, right? Like you're saying, it's like, we ha- yeah. we it is. You shall know them by their deeds. I think that's a saying, maybe in the old or New Testament, right? Um, uh, yeah, something yeah, like that. But that's the truth. I mean. I do think we have to get away from religion and Old Testament, New Testament, and need to find a new um, sense of the divine in ourselves because that's the true essence of the eternal being. That's the temple is in is in the self. And um, as we wake up, I think more people are recognizing the divine in each other. I think that's the next level you're talking about is seeing the divine in everyone, even if oh, absolutely. you know, yeah. Not, yeah. So well, I I think matter. also also though you know it's it's sort of like um, every religion out there that I know of um, was founded on the golden rule or or some derivation of it, and if you live by that. I think you're on your way to a wonderful spiritual reality. So the debate tonight, I was listening to this program, is are these ETs really spiritual? Are they are they the future? Do they really just here to get our resources? Are they um, represent a potential or are they a threat? And I don't think they're a threat. I think there's so many different races, but if we align with the self that we know, we will meet those beings that are in alignment with our higher selves. Like, yeah, like I, think, I think one of the things yeah. that, that really has fascinated me um, for a long time is that, I mean, here on Earth, we have stories of our cultures, the evolution of our of our species and we have religions that have formed and 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 we have um we have explanations as to what what and how these religions were created. And and I and I often wonder, okay, those are our stories, that's our those are the those are the the things that, that, that we have created that make us feel good and, and secure and safe. However, in another dimension, in another world, what is their spiritual belief system going to be? Is it going to be anything like ours? Are they going to recognize a, 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 a creator of all? Are they going to recognize what you know? It it that's going to fascinate me. I really hope that we get to 
to meet some of these guys because their their spiritual their higher consciousness expression and and how they have, they guide their lives and how they they uh do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I don't think uh, this is just my guess is that they have a belief system the way we have belief systems because belief systems in my interpretation are dogmas. You can I uh-huh. call belief systems make believe. You can make yourself believe anything, especially if you're brought up at a young age to believe that. Belief I think what they have this is just my guess is knowing. Knowing replaces belief, our knowingness. So what do they know to be true? What do it's not about, you know, believing in a greater power. Are they mm, aware of that oneness are they aware of this so when we replace belief with knowing then i think there's an evolution to our sense of being you know we're creatures of belief because for the last five thousand years we've been controlled by um power brokers that want us to believe in them or whatever it was you know, I mean, some religions are great and some great aspects to some spiritual religious teachings, but if there has to be that has to be replaced with a knowing of what we are. And it might be different for everyone, but I think we have to transcend belief. That's just my belief, my opinion. I, yeah, so. I, I, I can see, you know, where that would... I, I can see where that would make sense because once you... Once you recognize that there is a cosmic consciousness out there, a source of all creation, and, and that there are, are thousands probably of worlds of, of people who have their own dogmas, their own religions, how do you get to the place in consciousness where you can all be one and, and, and come from so many different places? I think it's going to be fascinating. It will be fascinating. It will expand what we think reality is, but each of us has a knowing, a sense of knowing. If we're allowed to develop naturally without being imposed upon by different dogmatic traditions, you know, not many Uh people, even in a free, supposedly free country like this, are, are free to develop their own beliefs or awareness. They're they're given a certain dogma at a certain age and if someone tells you this is true at two years old and keeps telling you then you 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 believe it's true and then you identify with that that imposed truth. Then if someone insults your religion, then it's like you're insulting themselves and and you know, that's the problem with human beings. They identify with something outside of themselves, with their belief system, with their favorite political party or baseball team, you know. Uh, whatever it is, this identity of the false self has controlled people. I mean, most of the wars in the world were religious wars, you know, or ideological wars. And that's just belief. And so... We need to come into a new world where 
we're just aligned with ourselves and our own understanding. So we have the opportunity to go into the unknown without belief, but let it come to us. This, If we let these beings in these ships or whatever they're in appear to us without forming an opinion of anything or maybe they're Zetas or maybe they're great, if we just um, allow that reflection of our own being to come forward and, and we sense the feeling aspect of this connection, that, for me, becomes the greater truth of this relationship. But we need to go in that with, with not fear like these things are going to take us over because fear uh-huh. of the unknown is really just a projection of the known onto the unknown. People only fear what they know. The unknown yeah. is full of the unknown is full of possibility, freedom, discovery, and adventure. That's what the unknown is full of. So oh, that's what's exciting. Yeah. Well, with with the, exciting. with the UFOs that are out there, um, I've noticed over time that. Um, They've changed shape and size. They've changed dimension. And are they all, you know, you know, there there have been so many different ones. Are they representative as far and is in your in your opinion? Because I know that there's, you know, they don't have VIN numbers and you can't identify what planet they came from. But is there more than one species? that is visiting the planet? Yes. I mean absolutely. I mean absolutely. I in my opinion there are many men. There's reptilians that are not all bad. There are there are the luminous beings they call the tall whites, only white only because they're luminous light around them. There's the little grays with the big eyes that have been, you know, identified as ETs. So there are many species that are visiting us for probably many reasons. I know the greys are here for genetic information, which I happily donated to be the father of an alien race. I know that's a little silly. But, um, no, there are many different types. And one theory that Grant Cameron has, and he writes the second chapter in the book, he says, yes, the, the shapes of these ships seem to change with our own cultural evolution. Like in the 1890s, the spaceships looked like they were wooden ships in the sky. And then we get uh-huh. to these saucer shapes in the 40s. And then we get to these um, rectangular shapes in the, in, the, in the 70s, 80s. And then we get to these little tic-tac shapes now. So there seems to be an evolution based on where we're at. And maybe they just reflect uh, a level of consciousness that we're able to accept. Maybe maybe they couldn't fathom a triangular shape in the 1890s, but now we can. So there seems to be some kind of um, parallel development of ET interaction with our cultural evolution, right? Isn't that what, I mean, I somehow I, I can't... I, yeah, I, I can see how that could be. I, I also, um, I keep, crop circles keep coming up here, and, and 
um, you know, in my opinion, crop circles are are dimensional um, expressions. So I think we have the ETs and I, I you know, um, the the UFOs, and then we have crop circles, which I think are a completely different level of consciousness. And I and and the crop circles, in my opinion are interdimensional messages coming through time as opposed to spaceships that that are are different. Do you have an opinion well, on I that? Don't know. Yes, thank you because I'd been to the crop circles twice in England because I was obsessed with them. I said, "Wow, uh-huh. why isn't the front page of every newspaper here's alien writing to us in these fields?" What are they saying? And so I went there, and they actually felt... Have you been to England's crop circles? I've not been have to a seen? crop circle in England, but I've been to one in the U.S. Oh, really? Where was that? In Virginia, um, in, the, oh, I, um, in the 80s. Well, when I went to England, they each of these crop circles, because for some reason they're more abundant there, oh, there yeah. was a different vibration each circle and I don't know if it's separate from the aliens coming there they could be the aliens writing to us in these um, symbolic images to open up you know their patterns in the field and I think patterns of perceptions help up open up neural nets of awareness do you know uh-huh. what I mean the right brain sees patterns the left brain see the linear aspect. So do you see the trees or do you see the forest? Well, the patterns are the forest. So when we get these patterns of in the wheat, I think it's encoding within our brain a certain uh, neurological activation that makes us open to greater awarenesses. That's, that's I, my feeling. I, so I think it's connected. Yeah, that 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 could easily be so. I know the thing that I found fascinating was that a lot of the crop circles were replications of cards that I had desi- designed that were published, which was kind of fascinating oh, really? to Did me. You had the cards. You had the cards first, and then the crop circles showed up. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. Um, but but with the crop circle. Um, I noticed I noticed a couple of things that I thought were fascinating. One was um, the, the smell of ozone. Um, there was a definite smell of ozone that was really quite profound. Another was that it almost felt in the crop circle as though a dome of silence had been lowered down over you because it, it didn't feel like noise from outside the circle was coming in. You know, it, it, it was muffled. And and there was a sense of of um, almost uh, a lightheadedness that that I felt anyhow, and it was the same feeling that um, my late husband and I did a whole documentary on the stone chambers and stone walls that that were scattered um, throughout New England that that nobody knows who created them, and in those stone chambers. I felt the same feeling, the same feeling of of being muffled from the outside world and not the ozone, but, but the, the the quietude of it and the sense of being almost out of 
time and space. It was almost like it was a, a chamber that might have been used for transportation at one point in time, or a, a, like a well, like an elevator. There is a relationship between those stone chambers. I've been in the stone chambers in New York, and uh, there some of them are near UFO landing sites, at least in the Hudson Valley. So there does seem to be a connection between the oh, two. Yeah. And so I think you're onto something. Maybe they were sort of interdimensional doorways. I think. I mean, you, our, I think the, you're. The uh, the documentary we did was called Secrets of the Stones, and it's out okay. there on YouTube. And oh, yeah, like it, it. We um well actually uh, on my website it's uh, it's on my website it's Secrets of the Stone well BarbaraDelong dot com is the website and. On the front page of my website is the link to the documentary. We presented it at uh, Megalithomania in 2011. And, Great. Um, well, I'd like to see that because I, I was, think, you know, there's, yeah, there's some great ones up there, some great stone oh, circles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think we went into uh, probably about 75 of them or so. And uh, yeah. there it's it's just that they're not being preserved, which you know is is so frightening. How I you know I don't understand how in, in the United States when you when you talk of antiquity, everybody thinks about Egypt, Rome, and Greece, and the fact is that we have the same kind of antiquity here in the United States, but people don't pay any attention to it. How many stone chambers are there in New England and New York and throughout the you, East? You, Used to be eight hundred. Now I think it's only down to two hundred. Really, um, there were eight because they were so strange and they were in alignments, weren't they? They were that in like most a, of the, yeah. Jack- most of them were in alignment. Uh, many of them had magnetic anomalies in their uh, in their entranceway, and that they, they were corbelled construction. And when the colonists I, arrived I here. Yes, I should interview about this, but when the colonists arrived, what what did you discover? Um, that uh, they that several of the um, colonists wrote to the governors of the provinces, you know, who, who created them because the Indians said they didn't, and nobody knew, nobody knew who created them. So and it's, who did and create? What, beats who me. I mean, they everyone that we went in was corbelled construction. And what's that mean, corbelled? What's that mean? Um, it, it, it's stack, um, it's it's a way of stacking the stones so that they 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 sort of create a dome shape, and then there's a a huge lintel over the top, and the stones were massive. And um, actually, there's a place in uh, oh New Hampshire, I think, um, America called America Stonehenge, and the largest rock in uh, American Stonehenge is larger than the largest rock in the Great Pyramid at Giza. And that, where is that, New Hampshire? What's that called, American Stonehenge? Called American Stonehenge. (laughs) Yeah, but what's your guess about who made these? Um, My personal guess is that they were created... um, before the last mass destruction, and that like they belong to a culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, they were. I think they they were definitely here. 
before the last ice age, and um, I think uh, a culture that we have no record of created them. And and wow. I do think what they about may. They, I think they may have been used for communication, because most of them are are um, granite, which has a great deal of quartz in it. So I think that they were used for communication of some sort. They may have even been a portal for interdimensional travel. Wow, I love that. You have a book about that? <clears throat> no. Did you say you had a book or a film? No, it's a documentary, that's Secrets of the Stones, but I, my husband wouldn't let me put that part of it in. He thought that was a little bit too extreme. Right. Well, no, he's a biblical scholar. <laughs> Well, he said we want to appeal. He didn't know. Um, nobody we talked to could tell us what they were for. They were certainly not uh, root cellars. They were certainly not um, places where people were storing food. They were, you know, the, I can tell you everything they weren't. They were not a, a burial chamber of any sort because there was no spirit presence at all inside of them. They were as clean well, energetically. Oh, were they sh- were they like the shelters from the storms or? Uh... Nobody would mm. do that kind of construction. The only time, I think it was what a thousand years before, uh, the Phoenicians did corbel construction, but um, I don't think it was Phoenicians. The stones are too big and too massive. These these structures took a tremendous amount of time to construct and. Colonists sure didn't have the time. Indians wouldn't have had the time because they didn't live in stone hovels. You couldn't build a fire in them. There was no cross ventilation. There was no place for a fire to, you know, for smoke to exit. There's you. You can't figure out what they were used for. Well, there's one not far from me, and it's right near a dolmen. You know, these big rocks that are balanced on these little rocks up in Brewster, yeah. New York. You know, one in Brewster. So I lived in Dolman. Westchester for 50 years, yeah. Yes, I know. Oh, you, <laughs> you know the one in Brewster, that big dolmen that's there? Off of, yeah. Is it 684? But that's interesting because when you get underneath the big rock, uh, uh, there's a there's a kind of energetic field you feel because of the mass displacement, you know. Oh, absolutely. The mass well, you're talking, are you, you're talking about the balanced rock, are you? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the balance the balanced rocks are just phenomenal. Um, there's one in in I oh gosh I think it's New Hampshire too. I'm not sure, but it's huge. It was it's bigger than a locomotive, and it's balanced on it's so precariously you just can't believe it. And it's so solidly there. It's on a teeny little point that it's balanced and and it's been there forever. And there's no explanation as to how. But is it related to the stone chambers? Yeah, it it probably is same time frame, but I don't know what the time frame is because you 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 can't of course um, carbon date stone. Yeah. No, I love these mysteries, and you know I think the UFO situation is a mystery that's accessible. That we're as we're it's an evolution that will explain the past. You know, I, I hope yeah, so. And it, my hope. It, keeps, it keeps reminding us that it's out there too. That's what's so cool. You know, it 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 will, 
you know, kind of everything will calm down and then suddenly there will be sightings all over the place. And, you know, again, it all comes up and, and the mystery is there again. And, and we have to look at it and say, well, you know, why are they here? What do they want? And as far as the crop circles or even the Nazca, uh, the Nazca lines, you know, it, it, it's not cosmic graffiti. It's there for a reason. And we just don't know what that reason is. Yeah. Well... Yeah, we don't know what it is, but I think the crop circles are communications to the right brain to actually open up more neural nets of awareness, more patterns of perception. Oh, I totally agree, yeah. And so many of the crop uh, circles almost, so many of the crop circles almost look like um, they could be units in a computer. Some of them do, but some of them have this fine nesting, a weaving on this very small level that no one can explain. Why would someone weave some of these smaller uh, strands of wheat together? It's so odd. So there might be like frequency modulations that are happening uh-huh. in this. But that that is a bigger mystery to me than the UFOs. You know, there's like something very, very strange going on here. But well, just as far as the book, to wrap up. Oh yeah, well, I listen. Think, uh, the book, the book is definitely a textbook. I'd love to see in colleges. I would, I would love oh, to see colleges. You know, colleges. You know, their first two years, they, 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 they call them. You know, standard classes you take because they teach you what high school didn't teach you. And I think this should, this should be. There should be a core course on. You know, just what's coming in the future, and this book is a wonderful handbook for, you well, know, thank, putting thank, it out there. But hey, I've applied to a few, co- or one at least, to teach a course on this, using this as a textbook. So thank you for that acknowledgement, because I think this would be a, a fascinating course, because it takes in history and biology and sociology and technology and cosmology. It's a whole new way of looking at the universe that only can expand students' awareness. So that is part of my vision of what I'm doing with with this textbook. Thank you, Barbara, for that. Oh, thank thank you for for choosing some remarkable people and, and, you know, putting some phenomenal information out there. And, And, you know, if it does nothing other than make somebody think and question, then you've served your purpose. Because instead of you know, except, yeah. you know, it, it, it's and that's that's really why I do the show. I put information out there to make people think. And and if they don't agree with me, that's great. Go figure it out. You know, go figure something else out. I mean, if if they agree and and you know they have to research further, that's that's good too, because. That's if there's something, you know, it, it's you know, just let me. If if I outrage you, that's even better. You know, go out and prove me right. wrong, or or you know, just research. Use your brain for Pete's sake. You know, the people I chose were the people I thought were the top in their field in this field of UFO mm-hmm. investigation. They were the ones that I connected to that spoke to me that were the most intelligent in their particular way of understanding this phenomena, and they all understand it differently, which is, shows you that, you know, you get these intelligent people 
they don't disagree with each other, but they don't agree on everything. So this is a this is a situation with so many moving parts, and we it's like a puzzle, and we're trying to put together the pieces, and more pieces are coming to us. So the government has a piece. This this experience has a piece. This person has a piece. It's it's forming a bigger level of reality, which is really exciting for me. So, I mean, this has been really fun talking to you about your beliefs and your understanding of um, this bigger world that we're part of, and I agree with you for most of that, you know? Well, that's so. that's the cool part, because, you know, every time I do one of these shows, you know, I, I, I get... I get stretched, and and you know, I learn so much from from you guys. I, you know, reading a book is one thing; talking to the author is a whole other ball of wax. And it's so exciting that that you know you you would come on the show and share your philosophies with us because certainly um, there there are thousands of people that listen to these shows, and and to put this information out there for them to challenge them to inspire them to titillate them you know is such an exciting thing for me and i know mark and i both love to 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 take to take information and, and expose it to our audience and um it the reception of the audience is always phenomenal every now and then it's questionable well, you know, but it's a, <laughs> sometimes I'm sorry, I'm, i feel like the book no, sometimes I feel the book can say more than what I say in the conversations because I can only touch upon certain topics, but the book allows my thought processes to kind of percolate and go deeper and, and deeper that, that then I can bring through some clarity. Sometimes, like in these interviews, it's like we want to cover so much because there's so oh, much yeah. to this. And so I feel the book says this is just conversations to whet people's appetite to go in depth. That's where I feel the depth is, is in the writing. I mean, for me, oh, maybe absolutely. I'm a better writer than speaker or something, but um, <laughs> I, I, well, no, I, 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 I love the yeah. fact that you get all of these different opinions and philosophies, and I'm in love with the way that you, you structured it so that you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper the further you get into the book. Um, I rec- it's on Amazon. I I encourage yeah. everybody to go on Amazon and and purchase it because it's it's this is a I strongly recommend book. It's I just noticed the time. Contact. It, it's called contact, making contact, and it's Alan Steinfeld. And Alan, yeah. Alan, I I look forward to uh, seeing what more you do and hopefully getting you back on the show again sometime soon. I would definitely have a big book planned. My next book is about creativity, art, and some UFO stuff, too. So uh, I that think you'll like exciting. that, too. I'm sure yeah. I'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you much Barbara. for spending the time with me tonight. Thank you for being such a... Thank you, everybody, for being here. Do check out our show on, on YouTube. It will be there shortly and and uh if you like what you see and you like what you hear please subscribe that's how we know you're listening take care now and good night